pick up my phone, I start dialing the number, and my hands are shaking. I'm bawling like a baby, you know, 42-year-old, mm. bawling like a baby. I just, that, there was no way I could make the call. And, and I'm not even sure what I was afraid of or why I couldn't do it, but I just could not do it. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Ron from South Carolina. He says his reunion journey started in his teens, but didn't yield any results until he was in his 40s. During that time, he tried a variety of tactics to try to locate someone that he was related to who might have some helpful information about his birth family. In the end, the amazing work of his search angel led him to his birth mother and his relatives in Missouri and North Carolina. Ron was born in 1974 and placed for adoption immediately. His family expanded in 1980 when his parents adopted Ron's sister, whom you'll meet in a later episode. Ron shared that he grew up with the knowledge that he was adopted and had a good life with his family, but he always had that natural curiosity to search for his original family. It was about 16 years old when he began his search. I asked why that age was the time he began the journey. Well, I was, uh, you know, of course, born in 1974, um, placed for adoption pretty much immediately, was actually adopted by one family, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out, so they had to send me back, uh, but I was only eight or nine months old when my adopted parents got me, so, you know, obviously I have no memory of, of the first one. Um, I've known since day one, since before I could understand that I was adopted and that, uh, you know, a story I was always told, and turns out to be relatively true. That my birth mom was a young girl, uh, 16 years old, couldn't take care of me, so she wanted to place me for adoption so that a family that could take uh, better care of me could uh, raise me. So, like I said, I've always known I was adopted. My parents adopted another child, my sister, and in fact, about the same time I reconnected with my birth mom, she found her birth mom. I asked Ron what kinds of thoughts or expectations he had about his search before it began. He says he knew it could unfold many different ways, so he steeled himself for what things might happen. Ron went into his search with no real expectations. He really just wanted to satisfy his curiosities. He had no hard feelings about being placed in adoption, and he was thankful for the life he had led. Still, Ron braced himself for the possibilities that his mother might not want anything to do with him. And there was a specific physical trait about himself that he wanted to know the origins of. Well, you know, like I said, it, it had always been a curiosity of mine just to know, you know, who my, who my birth family was, particularly my birth mother. That's really the only, only one I was ever concerned about. And I guess that's because uh, Department of Social Services in South Carolina would not release non-identifying information to a child until they were 16. So my parents always told me that, you know, if, if you want to search, we'll help you every step of the way. You know, when you turn 16, you can order that information and, and, you know, we'll see where it leads. Of course, at the time, this being, what, 27 years ago or so, there was no ancestry DNA. The Internet was in its infancy. I was already active on the Internet, but it still wasn't uh, 
didn't have near the reach it does today. So, you know, it, it really wasn't, uh, it wasn't a need to know, you know, it was just, just a curiosity that I had to satisfy. So you, you reached out at 16 at the very age that you were legally able to do so. What kinds of thoughts did you have prior to 16 years old about your search and what you might find and what you hoped for? You know, I, it's funny because from day one, I don't think I had any real expectations, but I knew that, you know, there was a very good possibility that, that my birth mother, you know, might want absolutely nothing to do with me, you know, so I, I didn't really set up high expectations. It was just, just that curiosity that I wanted, wanted to satisfy, you know, it, it, I had no hard feelings about being adopted, about being placed for adoption. You know, it, it was, I had a relatively normal life, you know, it just, uh, now I, I do have a, uh, what's always been called a birthmark that uh, kind of, my left ear is a bit deformed and I always kind of wonder if that could run in the family. You're 16, you've reached out to social services and they've given you what I believe you said was non-identifying information. So what did you do next? Well, I had that information and, and I learned that, you know, my birth mother was 16, which I already knew. I learned that she lived on Myrtle Beach Air Force Base with her sister and brother-in-law when she gave birth to me, mm. which told me then that, you know, she could be from anywhere in the country. Uh, so that that was a little bit disheartening in the search. Uh, but I went to uh, Myrtle Beach and, and just poured through, you know, Microfish um, newspapers and I tried to contact several people that had been stationed at Myrtle Beach Air Force Base before it closed um, because I also found out from the information that my birth mom had worked for the uh, officers club at Myrtle Beach Air Force Base. And it was just kind of my feeling that, you know, perhaps there weren't that many 16-year-olds working in there at the time. Of course, I didn't have a clue. Um, but it, it was just a lot of dead ends. There was, uh, you know, I, I had no direction. It, it was just basically, you know, looking for a needle in a haystack with your eyes closed. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty laborious search for someone who was at an Air Force base that's since closed. And as yeah. you said, everybody at an Air Force base is transient. They're not from that area, most likely. So that does sound like exactly. that would be really hard. This was a challenging search for Ron. People that live on a military base are often very transient, being stationed one place, then another. His birth mother could be anywhere by now. He likened his search to looking for a needle in a haystack with his eyes closed. He stopped searching. Then, in March 2017, Ron's wife started focusing on the advertisements for Ancestry DNA. She thought he might have a chance of finding his birth mother through scientific identification. But Ron wasn't really interested. It wasn't that he didn't care. The search just wasn't a driving priority at that moment in his life. Ron eventually relented to his wife's suggestion and submitted his DNA sample. So, you know, I, I did that and started seeing, you know, people pop up as blood related to me. Um, you know, I, I had two that was a, that ancestry list as a first or second cousin match and uh, hundreds of fourth cousin matches, but it, it was really surreal to see these people's names on the screen and oftentimes their pictures and say, this person is blood related to me. And that just kind of, you know, amped up the search a bit, you know, mm -hmm. made it real. He knew any distant cousin matches weren't likely to open new doors for his own search. So he focused on his closest match online, a first cousin. That person's relationship ended up being a fascinating mystery because Ron and the cousin couldn't figure out how they were related. Ron suspects she may have an adoption in her own personal history that she was previously unaware of. Ancestry DNA didn't help him either. To help with his research, 
Ron joined a lot of search groups on Facebook and connected with a search angel. She encouraged Ron to reapply for his identifying information, which he could no longer find in his own files. While I was working on Ancestry, I, I had joined a lot of um, search groups on Facebook, and I met up with a search angel out of Arkansas. And she said, you know, send her to Ancestry DNA. She did some searching, and, and she was kind of hitting dead ends as well. And, and she pushed me to re um, reapply for my non-identifying information because, of course, after almost 30 years and I don't know how many moves, those papers had gotten lost in the shuffle, destroyed, whatever. Um, so I went to the DSS, Department of Social Services, website and requested it. And, of course, screen come up saying, you know, it may take six to eight weeks. And, you know, I was just really disheartened because I was so close yet so far away. Well, amazingly enough, the lady at Social Services actually sent me the PDF scan files of my non-identifying information like a day or two later. Um, so I forwarded those to the search angel. And... I guess two days after that, this was in, in around May 1st or 2nd, she sends me a Facebook message actually saying, do you want to know who your mom is? And proceeded me to give me my birth mom's name, phone number, address, Facebook profile, everything I could want. Just pause for a second because I'm a little bit confused. You got the non-identifying yeah. information previously, and then you got it again, Correct. and somehow... The search angel was able to figure out who she was, but you were not. How did she do that? Well, it's probably the funniest story I've ever heard. And the scan that the lady sent me is an exact scan of the original papers, because I remember, you know, some of the markings on them and all. And, and there's a couple, one place in there where you can see what I didn't realize at the time is typing that's reversed, like perhaps at some point since since they were created they were left face to face and and ink bled through from one to the other so the search angel along with another lady actually found a place where my birth mom's name and her mom's name was in reverse on the page are you serious uh, where like literally the ink yeah, had before, bled over yeah before before it was redacted the ink had bled across and so her name was there it was just in reverse it, it looked like just smudging you know to the naked eye but when she expanded it and reversed it you could read the names just as clear as day wow your search angel's a super sleuth and, man that's incredible yeah she is she really is so ron's birth mother had been found on facebook it was great news but he said it hit him in the chest like a ton of bricks i asked him how he felt in those moments after he got that news nervous <laughs> You know, again, you know, I admit that I didn't have any complaints growing up adopted and with my adoptive family. It still wasn't as life-changing as for some people, I guess you could say, maybe. I understand. But it, it was a big deal, but maybe it wasn't as big a deal as it would have been to someone who was just dying to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had reached a point where your search had not necessarily yielded too many good results, and you didn't have a, a dying need to search for somebody. So, like, if you found somebody, great. And if you didn't, great. I still got a family, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I can see that. Exactly. Where... And, and I've always, I've always went at it with the, with the attitude that you know they may welcome me to the family with open arms, or they may tell me, hey, I don't want any contact with you, don't want to know about you, whatever. And I was okay with either eventuality. I mean, I yeah, sure, I'd have been disappointed if they had rejected me, but. It was uh, still something that I knew was a possibility and had prepared myself for. 
Ron had several conversations with his search angel about how to make first contact with his birth mother. He thought he should send her a certified letter. That way he knew she received his outreach. The angel said that was too impersonal, imploring Ron to make the call. Kept pushing me and pushing me just to make the phone call. She said, just call her, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I said, well, you know, I mean, she might go up there have a heart attack. She said, I don't know what the worst <laughs> that can happen. But it's true. Okay, yeah, you know what? You know, I, I finally agreed to make the phone call. This was, I, I got the information on the Monday, and it took me most of the week to, to get to where I thought I had built up the courage. I, you know, sitting there Friday night, my wife's there. I'm actually chatting back and forth with the search angel on Facebook. Both of them are encouraging me. I pick up my phone, I start dialing the number, and my hands are shaking. I'm bawling like a baby, you know, 42-year-old, mm. bawling like a baby. I just, that, there was no way I could make the call. And, and I'm not even sure what I was afraid of or why I couldn't do it, but I just could not do it. So I finally convinced the uh, search angel to make the uh, initial contact for me, which she did. Again, she's an angel. And, and she got a rather interesting reply from my birth mom when she called. She said, well, you know, tell me a little bit about it. So she said, well, he's 42 years old, studying uh, religion at Liberty University online, that, uh, this, that, and other. Well, my birth mom was a little bit incredulous. And it turns out that I have a half-brother who's 41 years old who is also studying religion at Liberty University online. This is one that she hadn't given up for adoption. So... Her first thought was that it was a uh, somebody trying to scam her. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. They found some identifying information about somebody else she's related to and tried to get an emotional in with her. Exactly. So you know, she but she verified that it was legit. She asked the uh, search angel what my name would have been at birth, and thankfully I had given her that information, uh, so she was able to you know give it to my birth mom. She said, okay, well you know she said okay, well you know this is for real. Tell him to call me back in 45 minutes after I uh, finish dinner. And, <laughs> you know, her, her, entire, her entire reaction was, oh, I knew he'd find me one day. And, and I mean, she, she's not a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can tell she was definitely happy to be found, but it, it was just really funny how just kind of nonchalant she took everything. So when did you get to talk to her and how did it go? Well, I called her, like I said, 45 minutes later, I was watching the clock, 45 minutes, I called, and she said, hey, Ron, how are you, you know, and I'm good, and, and you know, I was sitting, sitting next to my wife, my wife holding my hand, listening to, you know, every word, and uh, it was just, it was really surreal, you know, but we had a great conversation, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff we talked about, she gave me a little bit of family history, she told me about my half-brother, he lives in North Carolina, very close to me, I'm in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and just I learned a lot about the family. She actually had the same conversation. She gave me my biological father's name. I was able to locate him on Facebook, uh, reached out to him with a Facebook message. But I found out that he probably did not even know I existed. My birth mom said she knows she never told him, and she doubts anybody else did either. So he hasn't responded. I'm going to reach out to him again here in the near future and, and basically put the ball in his court because I know he got the message. I've heard through the grapevine he did get the message. Uh-huh. But, you know, I'm going to put the ball back into the court and say, look, you know, I, I don't necessarily want a relationship, I, but I would like to meet you one time. And mm-hmm. just, you know, if he answers good, if he don't, that's fine, too. You know, I've, I've had plenty of time to, to deal with either way. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So don't let me jump the gun here, but I can't help but wonder, did your mother tell you about the circumstances for your adoption? Well, she gave me more backstory, but it was very similar to what was in the non-identifying information. Basically, you know, she was 16. She'd left with her uh, boyfriend, went to another state from, from their home in Missouri. She became pregnant and told him, you know, I need to go home to my mom. So he took her home, and she began thinking about the implications of a young, unmarried girl, pregnant, small town. So she left there and went and stayed with her sister at Myrtle Beach Air Force Base, where she gave birth to me at, at about five months. She said she'd be really straining to say she was pregnant for a full five months. Yeah. Um, she told me that they kept her in the hospital for an extra couple of days because they weren't sure if she'd be signing adoption papers or a death certificate. Now, that was a blow. Wow. That was something I, I always knew I was a little bit uh, premature. But my birth certificate said I weighed like eight or nine pounds. So I'm like, well, you know, it couldn't have been very premature. Well, she says, no, I was actually born at, I believe she said three pounds. So wow. that, that was that was quite a shock to the system to find that out. <laughs> but anyway, her, her sister was going to adopt me, uh, but her husband had just come back from Vietnam. They were having some marital issues. So that's when they decided to go through DSS and, and place me for adoption that way. That's pretty heavy man to find out that that's how you came into the world and as a preemie you found you thought you came in fairly healthy what did that do for you in terms of you know your your mentality about how you had thought about yourself up until that moment i hesitate to say nothing because it was still a blow to my system to find that out right but at the same time i know that i'm a generally healthy 42 42 i'll be 43 sunday year old man but i did find out now going back to the birthmark i mentioned earlier it's actually what's called a venous malformation where the, the veins in my uh, ear didn't form correctly. And it, it's our theory that mine and, and my birth mom's theory that this was probably formed because I was so premature and, and my body wasn't fully formed yet. That That's probably where that came from oh. because she said nobody in her family or uh, my, my biological father's family had that that she's aware of or anything like it. So basically what you've learned then is that the circumstances for your birth are actually highly likely attributable to a physical condition that you have. Basically, you've got answers that you didn't have before. Yeah, that, that's very true. You know, I, I honestly have not thought about it from that direction, but, but that's absolutely true. Ron knew that if she was interested too, he wanted to meet his birth mother as soon as possible. But funds were low at the moment, so he crowdsourced the funding to assist with the long trip to Missouri. His family spent several days with his birth mother visiting, sharing photos, and getting to know one another. But before meeting his mother, he had met his brother from North Carolina first, and their resemblance was uncanny. I started a GoFundMe account, which, which got me about five or $600 between friends and, and even some of my biological family donated to help towards the trip. So I just I planned a trip for uh, the week of July 4th. Uh, we left out that... Uh, whatever, that Sunday morning, and drove a 1,000 miles from South Carolina to Missouri, and the, the reunion was great. I mean, we, uh, there wasn't any tears, wasn't any, oh, you know, it, it was just a big hug, hey, how you doing, come on in, and, and we went in and was pretty much, you know, my, it was myself, my wife, and our three children whom we've actually adopted. We uh, we went right, went right in, and we were all part of the family, you know, she had three Three new grandchildren, a new daughter-in-law, and a new son. I mean, it was just almost like I'd always, always been there, you know. 
That's amazing. In fact, uh, previous to that, I met my brother first. Um, that was about a week before we went out there. He came down from North Carolina and spent the day with me. And again, you know, for one thing, it was kind of funny because he and I dressed very similar that day. Had no clue we were going to do that. And everyone that saw us, now he's, again, he's 41. I'm going to be 43 in a couple of days, so we're close in age. And everybody that saw us is just like, oh, my goodness. You know, they just could not believe how much we favor. Now, he's in the Army, so he's in a little bit better shape than I am. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, if I, if I was to lose, lose some pounds and bulk up, we could almost pass for twins, I think. That's crazy, man. How interesting is that for you? You've gone from... You know, having an adopted sister whom you're not really related to don't probably look alike to having somebody that's, you know, got half your DNA and you look very much alike. That must have been crazy. Oh, it blew my mind. It was really, and, and neither one of us, he nor I, really realized how much we looked alike. I mean, I caught us standing, you know, similar posture a couple times throughout the day. And that kind of, you know, freaked me out just a little. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, I had promised all of our mine and his facebook family that you know i was going to share some pictures of the reunion well we were too busy talking and just hanging out to take pictures but at the end of the day i told my wife i said i give my wife my phone said, here go ahead and snap a picture you know so i got something to, to prove that we met and he and i both looked at the picture and jumped back like whoa that's really unbelievable Wow, that's so cool. So you met him first. Yeah. You go down, you meet your mom. Met him first. You go down, you meet your mom. And she gives you a big old hug and says, come on in. How was the reunion? Who was there and how did it go? Well, right then it was just her and her husband, you know, and my family. Um, her husband's a really nice guy. She was really nice. And we just, we just sat and chatted for a little while. Um, you know, while I was there, we had some meals, sat around talking, uh, catching up. You know, I, I took a bunch of uh, photo albums with me, like many adoptees do, and showed her some of my baby pictures. And she found a couple that I've got to send her copies of eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just it, it was just a, a family reunion. Everybody accepted me just like I had always been there, but maybe I'd been gone for a year or two. You know, mm. it was just really an amazing time. That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, it, it's just been a really surreal couple of months for me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's crazy. During those few days, Ron met several family members from around his birth mother's town. He even stopped in St. Louis to meet a cousin during the road trip back home to South Carolina. At the time we spoke, Ron's reunion was only a week old, so my normal process of asking a guest how life has been since their reunion was absolutely irrelevant. But Ron did offer an insight to where he was in loving his newly found mother. My, my adoptive mom passed away in 2014. And it's really hard to explain because so many people are, well, are you trying to replace your, your mom or are you trying to, you know, is it, is it something like that? And, and the best way I can explain, explain it to people, and, and it's really helpful with people who have two children, is I'll ask them, you know, when you had your first child, how much did you love them? Well, you know, I love them with everything. I love them more than anything. Okay, well, when you had your second child, did you love that first child any less? Well, of course not. All right, then. I've got a second mom. I can love both of them just the same without taking anything away from either of them. You know, and so that's kind of kind of where I'm I'm at, you know, mentally and emotionally is, you know, I'm I've definitely fallen in love with my birth mom. She's a sweet lady. She's, uh, you know, a little, little bit um to the point sometimes, but that's all right. <laughs> you know, and, and it just, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, so I'm not replacing my, my adoptive mom by a long shot, but it is nice to have a mother figure that I can call and talk to, you know, should I feel a need. That's right. And I could see how, the, you know, non-adoptees kind of don't get it, but you have yeah. put together an amazing analogy for helping people understand that there's enough love to go around, you know, just because someone holds a similar position doesn't mean that you can't, you have to love one less than the other and you're not replacing exactly one parent for another. Exactly. I, I totally agree with you on that. Ron mentioned earlier that he had adopted children of his own. I wondered how this experience has affected them. Well, when we, I'll give you a little bit of their backstory. Of course, their story is theirs to tell when they're old enough and ready. But yeah, um, we got them as foster children when they were six, seven, and nine. Took about two and a half years for the adoption. So, you know, of course, they were old enough to know their birth parents. And we got to know their birth parents as well throughout the process. Um, even though South Carolina, all adoptions are legally closed adoptions. When we adopted them, the... It went from being Ron and Wendy, which is my and my wife's names, that they called us as foster children, to Mama and Daddy pretty much before they ain't got on the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so even by that point, they really understood what adoption was. And, and now, you know, they, it's just like they've always been part of our family. You know, it's like my oldest daughter is 17 now. She, she'll tell us quick that um, she's really our daughter, but she was born to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they, they really understand it, and, and I don't. I don't know that it's impacted their life, uh, you know, emotionally outside of the fact that, hey, we've got another family, you know, to add into to the family we already had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I have to believe that most of their experience has, has been pretty positive. They're excited to have another grandmother. I asked Ron what his hopes are for the future with his birth family. He has fitness goals that he's driving toward with his brother and aspirations to visit Missouri again and again. Well, I'm hoping to stay in touch with him. Um, I've talked to my brother about possibly next year. He and I teaming up to run a Spartan race, which is I've been working on a weight loss journey. Um, I've lost about 70 pounds so far this year. Wow. Congrats, and one of my man. goals is to run a Spartan race. Yeah. I, I saw you guys have been smiling on me this year, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I talk, one of my dreams is to run a Spartan race. And I talked to him. He said he'd like to team up and, try, and do it. He said he's got to help his game of working out also. It's my plans to you know, venture out to uh, Missouri at least once a year, whether it's with my entire family or alone, to visit with my birth mom and, and other members of the family. I've found a few more cousins that I would like to get to meet uh, that I didn't know about while I was there. Um, so, yeah, as far as with them, that's that's definitely where I'd like to see that go is just to keep in touch and, and at least have yearly visits. Mm-hmm. Build any relationship. That's really amazing. Good for you, man. Wow, what a journey you've been you on, know, Ron. It really is, you know, and, from a personal standpoint, I'm I'm looking to uh, possibly start a uh, organization and, and write a book based on my story uh, to help not only adoptees and adoptive you know people in the adoption triad and foster families, but really in any family that is struggling with the meaning of true family. Because it, I'm a firm believer that you know true family is not just in your DNA. It's not just on the legal paperwork from the court, it, it's who truly loves you, cares about you, and supports you. And it, it may not, you know, your true family may not be who legally it is. That's very good. That's that's a an admirable set of goals you've got. The book, the foundation work, and, you know, your own personal development, both to, you know, get yourself in better health, but also do it in conjunction with your brother who wants to run a race with you. That's going to be really awesome. you got some good goals ahead, man. 
I'm, I tell you what, I'm, I'm really hoping they come through. Um, so I, I've got to really discipline myself to actually continue to uh, build some muscle after losing the weight. Yeah. But I, I think it'll get there. I think it'll get there. Yep. You just got to commit to it, man. You can do it. You got it in you. That's right. I appreciate it. Cool, man. It was really good to hear your story, Ron. Thanks so much for sharing with us. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, it's me. Ron's journey started off pretty challenging with the dead end searching pre-internet information resources about a young mother on a South Carolina military base that closed after his birth. DNA testing, which sometimes helps families to connect and learn more about one another, also turned into an odd dead end with a first cousin. Thankfully, the incredible investigative skills of his search angel identified his birth mother from transposed ink from paper copies of years-old records. In the end, his mother was glad to have been found, and Ron connected with his brother, with whom he shares an uncanny resemblance. Ron told me he's received nothing but support from his adopted family throughout his experience. He said he even took his brother to meet his dad, and for a while there, it seemed like they had forgotten Ron was in the room. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Ron's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I, really? If you would like to share your story of locating and connecting with your biological family, visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can also find the show on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at WAI Really. And please, if you like the show, take a moment to rate Who Am I Really on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. Those ratings can help others find the show too.